Hey, thanks so much for choosing the Haven House of Revival Sermon of the Week. We pray that this sermon impacts your heart and it inspires you to change your life and the world around you for God. Please enjoy the message. Yeah, we're going to have fun this morning. And the Lord is speaking to me about, um, he's been on this real train with me about practicality. Because most of us have grown up in church and we've heard so many sermons and I, like many of you, my dad was uh, my dad was very involved in church, so I, I was involved in church like up to five days a week because I was a pastor's kid. So like many of you, I probably grew up in church just like you, and I've heard all this stuff, and I'm tired, honestly, of hearing messages that I don't know what to do with it. Oh, and the statistics show that only 2% of the church actually does something with a message that they hear. That's average statistics, 2%. So that means that 98% of us, we hear something, and we just kind of leave and then go throughout our day-to-day, and nothing really changes in our lives. Guys, the reason why you are saved is because God came into your life, and he messed you up. You were going on a path, doing your own thing, and I call it the stupid path, right? Because we got ourselves into our own messes. You were doing that, and as you were doing that, God intervened, and he snatched you up, messed you up in a good way, and now you're saved, and you love Jesus, and you have life, right? You guys agree with me on that? And so that is the gospel. That's the kingdom. The kingdom is all about taking your life and trading it for God's life. Because Jesus said, I came to give you life and life abundantly. Then why is it that we as believers mostly are depressed? No, actually, why are we depressed? Why are we so anxious? Like, <sighs> Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You guys know that? Lean on your understanding. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. How many know that? Okay, so the whole church knows Psalm 23. But if you really believed that Jesus was your shepherd and the verses where it goes on how he leads me beside still waters, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Some of you have enemies in your life and you're stressed out of your mind. Am I, I feel like I'm hitting a wall here. Can we turn this up a little bit? Because my voice, I'm losing my voice. I need to shout without shouting to get people's attention today, okay? Anyways, so, like, if you really believe Jesus and his word, it will radically change how you do life. And if it doesn't, you're no different than people outside the church. If you aren't living differently, then you are no different, And how you live is a reflection of what is going on in the inside. Thanks, Mark. So what is going on the inside? And this is where we're going to have a lot of fun today. Is because we are going to do a message on something very controversial. 
I love controversy. Come on. You guys don't even know what it's about. You're like, yeah! Come on. You know, in, the, in, the, in church life, the, the, there's like three most controversial things that you don't talk about. Actually, four. First one is sex. You don't talk about that. Okay? We're not going to talk about that today. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Leave that for Jeff. Jeff next week is going to speak on it. <laughs> Jeff's going to come back and everyone's like, let's talk about sex. He's like, what are you talking about? Second one is end times, right? That's Dwayne's world right there, right? Third thing is casting out demons. Yeah, I like that. And the fourth thing is tongues. And like sex and all the other three, it changes your life. <laughs> all four of them. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to take a step back here. <laughs> yeah, take a deep breath. Calm down. We will talk after. No, but when it comes to, we're going to talk about tongues today, praying in tongues. And if something appears to be controversial, usually my ears peer, uh, they, they peek up. They perk up. Because... Something that is effective and powerful is usually a target from, for the enemy to try to squash, kill, and to neuter. And so if God's doing something over here, the devil's going to try to resist it. It's only like our God to move in weak ways, seemingly weak, that actually moves powerful realities. And the devil's close behind to try and shut that down. I believe one of the reasons why tongues is one of the most controversial things in the church is because it's one of the most powerful weapons. And I could tell you this, guys. Um, I've been all over the world. I've spoken in front of hundreds of thousands of people. I've led tens of thousands of people to Jesus. I've personally, with my own eyes, seen hundreds and thousands of miracles. You name it, I've seen it. I've been a part of it. But next to salvation... The next most powerful thing that has changed my life beyond all of that other stuff is praying in tongues. Straight up. All of that other stuff, I would trade all of that if I could just have this. And I'm going to share from you but what Scripture has to say, but also I'm going to mix in my personal experience. Because testimony is powerful. Okay, so we're going to dive through some stuff here. Mark 16. And going into this, there's, I feel like there's a few people here in the room. You grew up maybe in a certain denomination or you maybe had a bad experience with something in the past. I just want to encourage you to leave the baggage at the door for a moment. Because God loves working with baggage, but if your baggage is your God, then God can't be your God. And sometimes we have to, like, give God our baggage, set it aside, and be like, all right, God, if, you, if there's something new here, I want you to show me. So I just want to encourage you to be open. Is that okay? All right. So Mark 16, verse 17 says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. By the way, this is Jesus talking about. He's a good guy. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. 
They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place hands on sick people. They will get well. So guys, speaking in tongues, according to Jesus, not according to Joel, is supposed to accompany those who believe. This is for all of us today. This is not set apart for a specific personality type. Because sometimes we think the extroverts get everything. How many introverts are in the room? I'm raising my hand. I'm an introvert. Do you guys know that? What? I am. Okay. So praying in tongues, like, like, it's not just for the out there extrovert weirdo people. Okay. It's for all personality types. And it's not, and it transcends characteristics, personalities, and it even transcends cultures. It's a gift available to all. The Holy Spirit does not discriminate against people. The church, in many ways, has placed tongues as a thing of the past. But I am more convinced today, guys, that tongues is for entry-level Christianity. And it helps kickstart everything else in your life. I've been in so many situations where I don't have anything, and all of a sudden, I'm either myself or I'm with a few other people, we start praying in tongues. All of a sudden, the prophetic comes out. All of a sudden, healings and miracles, signs and wonders, and great moves of God, salvations, okay? Literally from tongues. Tongues is like, you know, on a motorbike or a dirt bike, you know, you have like that, what's that called? A kickstart. Tongues is like the kickstart to your faith. It gets things going. And so some of you here in the room, I feel like at least half the people in the room here, no offense. Well, hopefully I offend you. But <laughs> half the people in the room, I feel like you need a kickstart in your life. And that's actually what Justin was doing this morning. Is he was kickstarting you. Because if you don't get kickstarted, what's going to happen? We're going to wallow around in our stuff for the next week. And guys, God didn't save you to be walling around in the mud for your whole life. Depressed, sad, burdened, heavy, you know, all that fogginess going on in your head. God saved you. So tongues will kickstart that. The church, guys, was born again on tongues. You guys remember that? 120 people in the room, what was poured out? Now, if I was God... In my reasoning, I would have been like, okay, let's, let's throw out some, some like fire from heaven. Not like the tongue fire, but like miracles, signs, wonders, all this stuff. But Jesus was like, no, let's just do tongues. And then 3,000 men. There was more than 3,000, but it said 3,000 men because they didn't count women and children in those days. So I'd like to assume that there was probably five to 10,000 salvations that day because of tongues. That's how the church was established. Now, let's go over to the Apostle Paul. So Paul, he was a good guy. He wrote over half the New Testament, most scholars believe, okay? Very intelligent man. And some scholars believe that he actually, if he didn't get radically saved, he was on the path to actually becoming uh, basically on the same level as Socrates and Plato. He was one of the most intelligent men on planet Earth at that time from human understanding. God messed him up, and so he uses these verses like, hey, I don't try to use wise and persuasive words because he understood the heart of the Father, that that wasn't duplicatable. Really, it's about the power of the simple gospel. And so Paul, he wrote, like I said, over half the New Testament, 
he says this in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, I thank my God I speak in tongues with more than you all. In other words, he's boasting. He's saying, I speak in tongues more than you. I know that I do because I don't hear you. Like we were doing that this morning, right? It's like we're praying in tongues and, you know, some of us are getting going. Some of us are like, like we just, we just need a kickstart in our lives. Okay? So Paul said that. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, For I pray, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with my spirit, I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit, I will also sing with the understanding. So what Paul actually was saying there, he didn't know it, but it was completely revealed by the spirit. Study, they've done studies on people who pray in tongues over the last 20 years. Now he wrote this 2,000 years ago, okay? Some of the studies they came out with show that when you pray in tongues or speak in tongues, scientifically, you access a part of your brain that isn't accessed by any other method or means. Something gets triggered in your brain that's literally sitting dormant there the entire time. Praying in tongues, and when you pray in tongues, your mind doesn't know what you're actually saying. Your spirit does, though. That's why if you pray in tongues before, you know that your brain can wander around because it, if it's not focused on something, it'll just wander, right? So what Paul's saying here is praying in tongues is great because it's your spirit praying and you don't know what you're praying for, but it's by faith. But it's also important to pray with your understanding because when you pray with your understanding, you know that your Auntie Jane down the street has cancer and you know she needs healing. It's important for you to grab a hold of those prayer requests and to pray with your understanding for the things that you know you ought to pray for. Are you guys with me on this? But if you're like me, your prayer list is only so long, and you get bored easy. How many of you are like hardcore, and you're like, no, I just pray through my prayer list like 10 times a day for an hour each time. We don't do that. It's like you pray for a couple things, and then you're off doing something else. That's most people. But the thing about praying in tongues is when, you, when you're done praying for the things that you know you ought to pray for, you can pray in the Spirit all the time, and you're praying for things that you have no idea you should be praying about, but because your Spirit is connected with the Holy Spirit, you can actually be interceding for yourself and other people all the time. I've shared this story before, but I'll share it again just to prove a point. One time I was in a service, and I was with Mel, and when I was with Mel, it was one of those days, you ever had bad days? Yeah, it was one of those days where I was just like super mad just about life and everything. And I didn't want to be there, but the, the preacher invited people to come up to the front, and I didn't want to go, so I sat there. You had one of those days? And then people are like singing, people are praising God, and I'm just sitting there just bitter. And I'm like, that's great, God, that you're moving over there. How about a little, some of my issues? And so I'm just sitting there, and Mel's like raising your hands and just worshiping Jesus, and I'm like getting more pissed. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. You know, you just get triggered, right? And I'm like, I'm glad you're having a good time. And I'm just sitting there. Oh, I'm standing. I'm just like, whatever. And then she starts singing in tongues. And I'm like, okay. So I'm just standing there, and she has both her hands raised, and then she takes her one hand, and she puts it on my shoulder. And I hear her singing in tongues, but something happens all of a sudden. With my left ear, I hear her singing in tongues, 
But then all of a sudden, with my right ear, I hear her praying in English for the things that was going on in my heart that she had no idea about. I can't describe it any other way. And it just broke me because she had no idea. But the Holy Spirit knows. And when you choose to pray in the Spirit, you're actually praying for things that you don't even know about. That's why it's important to do both, okay? And that's what Paul's getting at here in 1 Corinthians 14. We'll keep going. Ephesians 6, 18. Praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication of the saints. Jude 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So what Jude is saying is when you pray, you're building up your spirit man. You're activating him. You're strengthening him. You're encouraging him. You're doing something with your spirit. And you guys know that what happens in the spirit manifests in the physical, right? What happens up here translates to what you do with your hands, what you do with your actions, what you say with your mouth, right? Because what happens there dictates what happens here. So it only makes sense that if you are building up your spirit, your body should follow suit, right? Did you know they came out with a study? True story, you could look it up. That when you pray in tongues, it boosts your immune system by 36%. They've done, it's scientifically proven. Why is that? Because when you build up your spirit, your body follows suit. And Jude said that 2,000 years ago. They just confirmed it in a stud, study in the last 20 years. Isn't that awesome? So anyways, the passages I just said, they state a few clear purposes I want you to really grab a hold of. If you're taking notes, please do this. When we pray in tongues, we pray to God. When we pray in tongues, we speak mysteries in the Spirit. When we pray in tongues, we build ourselves up and we charge up almost like you will with a battery. We charge ourselves up. When we pray in tongues, our spirit prays, but our mind doesn't understand. Fifth point. Paul made speaking in tongues a very high priority in his life. Point six. Praying in the spirit is part of the armor of God as described in Ephesians 6. Praying in the spirit means that our spirits are connecting with God. Does that make sense to you guys? Are you guys starting to get the whole of that? So why don't people pray in tongues? That's a very good question. There's two main reasons why people don't, and that's fear or improper teaching. Either they've had a bad experience in the past or a misunderstanding or they know someone that, 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 and so there's fear or there's improper teaching. It's usually one of those two things. Many have questions like this. How do I really know this is a language? That's legitimate. Second question is, is this doing any good? Actually. A third thing, this, I love this one. Why are the words I speak so often repeated? Da, 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 da. How many have wondered that? Okay. I've never known any real God experience that has happened where the enemy has never challenged any other thing. For example, how do you really know that you're saved? How many of you struggled with that over the years? It's like, how do I know? Am I saved? 
Come on, show of hands. I know I can, yeah, I know it. I used to give my life to Jesus every single night because I was scared because I read a book. I won't say the name of it, but it was about being, you know, taken, being left behind. And uh, I was scared I was going to get left behind. So every single night, I was giving my life to Jesus just in case, right? But I was struggling with the, the enemy was coming at me. He's like, are you saved? Are you really saved? How do you know you're saved, right? Or how this, how do you believe that the Bible is actually the Word of God? How do you believe it's God-inspired? What difference do you think baptism is? Or how do you think, why do you go through the silly motions of bread and, you know, juice and all that stuff? Everything in the kingdom is always questioned by the devil to bring doubt. So why would tongues, miracles, signs, and wonders be any different? But the Bible says this, 1 Corinthians 14, 2. The one who speaks with tongues is speaking to God. End quote. 1 Corinthians 4, 2. Most people don't pray in tongues because it seems like foolishness. It's, a, it's a, simply a wisdom issue. They're like, I don't want to look foolish. I don't want to look, you know, silly. So I'm just going to not do it. Guys, put your pride away. I said this uh, last Friday night, and I'll say, I'll say it again. Um, when the fear of man is big in your life, the fear of God is small. When the fear of God is big in your life, the fear of man is small. Your calling, your destiny as a believer cannot be dictated based upon what people may or may not think of you. And guys, we already do an excellent job of making ourselves look like idiots on our own. <laughs> Don't we? And if you're going to make yourself look like an idiot, you might as well do it in the process of trying to please Jesus. Right? So, let's put that behind us. At everything in the kingdom is accessed by faith. Praying in tongues is no different. When, when you, guys, when you pray in tongues or when you pray through your understanding, both of them require faith. How do you know, like, if you're just looking up at the ceiling and you're like, God, help me, how do you know he actually hears you? By faith. So when you're praying in tongues, it's done by faith as well. 1 Corinthians 14, 5. I'd like to, this is the, the verse. I'd like every one of you to speak in tongues. This is Paul saying this. But I would rather you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may understand. So I'll break it down for you guys really simply here. That there's two types of tongues. The first type is your private devotional prayer language. It's between you and God. So when you pray in tongues, your spirit prays, and God knows what you're praying for, and God understands, okay? It's your own intercession with him. It's your, it's your own connection with him. This is why Paul said, I pray in tongues more than you all. It's talking about his personal prayer language. You guys understand that? You do not need an interpreter for God. God understands what you're saying. Because some people, they point to this other verse and they're like, well, you know, it says if you pray in tongues, you need an interpreter. Let me explain. What Paul was talking about was in a public setting. If I were to stand up there and give you a word in tongues, 
what Paul talks about. If I did that, it would mean nothing to you unless if there was interpretation. Because you guys wouldn't understand it. So someone would have to come up and they would give explanation and meaning to what I was actually saying. And that would act in the same form as prophecy. Because it would encourage, it would exhort, it would uplift the body. That's what it's for. It's meant for you guys, so it requires interpretation. Does that make sense? That's the second type. Now, what happens when Janelle and Rod and the team, they're up there singing in tongues. Does that require interpretation? No. Because they're doing it to the Lord, and they're trying to get the room to engage with the Lord on their own. They're not giving you a message or a word. They're trying to lead the room into praying and connecting with the Lord in the Spirit. Does that make sense? That's the difference in public and private, because some people are like, they just, they look at, like, everything needs interpretation, and then they just slap it across everything tongues, and then nothing makes sense. And so as a result, they never pray in tongues, because it's confusing. But I promise you, if you take what I just explained to you, and you read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, it'll make sense now. Personal prayer, devotional language does not require interpretation. Public, like a message, requires interpretation so that everyone can benefit. That's why Paul says, I'd rather you say like one intelligent word with your understanding than 10,000 in tongues in front of people because it benefits them more. You guys with me here? Some of you feel like you're, I feel like you're checking out. Or you're just like in deep comatose. You're like, this is really messing me up, Joel. The Bible is meant to do that, okay? Can I hit you with a hard punch right now? I find when you get the, the punches, it's, it's best knowing that's coming, right? Okay. I'll, just do it. Okay. When we speak in tongues, we keep a commandment of the Lord. I'll tell you the verse here. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15 and 37, it says this. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. Keep going. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Here it is. Let him, or you, acknowledge that the things that I, Paul, write to you are commandments from the Lord. I'll, I'll make it simple for you. What Paul's saying, not Joel, so don't tag me online and call me a false prophet. What Paul's saying is praying in tongues and praying at the understanding is a command from God. So if you don't, you can. But if you aren't, I'd like to challenge, why aren't you? Does it point back to fear or improper teaching? Maybe. I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. But if you don't, I'd like to really challenge why. Because from my experience, like I said, I've, I've had the opportunity to, to minister to a lot of people around the world. And usually when people are stuck on this issue, it's because there's a hang-up of the past. Guys, whether it's tongues or any other issue in your life, God wants you to get past your hang-ups. Because God won't move 
if you have hang-ups. You guys with me here? I know it's a hard word, but I'm trying to do it with a smile. <laughs> we'll keep going here. I'll skip some of this stuff. We're going to do some practical here real shortly. Tongues brings refreshing. Because it builds up your spirit, it brings supernatural refreshing comfort. It brings grace. And some things are better felt than taught. Like until you do it, you won't get it. Once you do it, you'll get it. You'll understand. Speaking in tongues, it ushers in holiness and speech conduct. It actually awakens you to God's presence, which then helps, helps align you properly. When we pray in tongues, we get aligned spirit, soul, and body. You guys all right? John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you of the things to come. So the spirit searches, the Bible says, it searches the deep things of God. Have you ever wondered what the deep things of God are? Think about that for a moment. You know what you know, and that's all that you know. And to sound really deep, you don't know what you don't know what you don't know. Right? Is it possible that you know 50% of everything in the Bible? No, I've met some people before, and by the way, why I like walking up and down the aisles like this is not because I'm weird. Well, I guess I am a little weird. But because what, I, what it does is actually trigger something in your brain. Because if you, you're so used to watching someone up there, and there's a part of you that actually checks out. Because you're used to it. It's familiar. And when you walk up and down the aisle, what it does is it actually shocks your brain. You're like, what the freak is he doing? Right? <laughs> Don't touch me. <laughs> I love you, Kevin. <laughs> But it actually snaps you out of it so you can focus a little better, okay? So I don't do it for me. I do it to help keep you guys engaged, okay? But is it possible that you don't know 50% of the Bible? Yeah, right? Because the one thing I've learned about God is the more that you learn about God, the more you actually realize you don't know Him, right? That's the, that's the nature of wisdom. If you, if you talk to anyone in the field of knowledge, they'll say the more they learn, the more they realize they actually don't know. And it's infinitely more so with God because the Bible says that he is, the depths of him are like unsearchable. Like you could search him out for the rest of your life, but you've, now you've even scratched the surface. But I've met some believers and we do this in our own lives in different ways where we hear verses and we think that we know everything there is about it. I remember meeting one person and she was like, you know what, you don't need to teach me because I already know. And I'm like, do you learn from anyone? Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not looking to be your teacher. I'm like just sharing something that I learned. Do you learn anything? They're like, no, I don't need to because I know everything. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So that person will never get the revelation from God because that's pride, right? The moment we say we know everything, the moment we shut everything off. And we often do this with various areas in our faith. For some people, it's spiritual gifts. 
Oh, I know everything about it, and I don't want it. <laughs> well, let's, let's hold on there. Why is that, right? Like I said, fear, improper teaching, bad experiences, things like that. Or I know everything about this, so don't teach me. Guys, God wants to blow your mind, and he wants to take you places only if you are humble. Our job as believers is to continually maintain a heart posture of humility. And the more that you learn, the more you should really learn to be humble because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So when it comes to tongues, because we're just focusing on this, I want to encourage you, some of you are resistant to this because you know what you know what you know. But I really want to encourage you to look at Scripture and be open to what God has for you. I've been in so many situations, guys, and Dwayne could vouch for this. He has countless stories as well. You lead someone to Jesus, they know nothing about praying in the Spirit, and all of a sudden they get filled with the Holy Spirit, and immediately they start praying in tongues. And they're like, why am I saying this? I don't know what I'm saying. It just comes out of them. And you'll see throughout revivalists, like in the last 100, 200 years, like major revivalists, they pray for people, they lead them to Jesus, they get baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, then immediately they start speaking in tongues. In the New Testament, believers get saved, they start speaking in tongues. It's only in North America in the last 50 years where we're like, no, gifts, we don't need gifts, we don't need this. Guys, I've been to India, you lead someone to Jesus, boom, they start speaking in tongues. And they get delivered at the same time. Okay? Guys, you don't have to keep your issues. Jesus died for them. He wants them. But if you want them, you can keep them. <laughs> That's how it works. Oh, I don't know. Do you know how many times, this is a little rant, do you know how many times people have come up to me, hey, can you pray for my son? Can you pray for my daughter? They, they, they're struggling with this. I'm like, Sent, tell them to come talk to me and ask for help, and I'll pray for them. Oh, they won't do that. To quote Dwayne, next. <laughs> no, but if someone doesn't want it, they won't go for it. Right? Anyways, that was not a part of the message. You could take that out, but... God wants to reveal mysteries to you. When you pray in the Spirit, your spirit engages with Him, and then things happen. Guys, the amount of times that I've been like, like some of you, I've prayed for many of you at different times. Sometimes they'll just start speaking in tongues, and all of a sudden, by speaking in tongues, I'll get words. Hey, I feel this, I'm feeling this, da, 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 because tongues kickstarts what God's wanting to do. Okay? I'll keep going here. Some revivalists that prayed in tongues. Hebrews 13, 7 says this, Remember your leaders... Those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're supposed to use our leaders as examples to inspire us and to spur us on to holiness and to connecting with God, not as our idols. We're supposed to take their example and their testimony and use that to point us back to him. So some people that prayed in tongues, do you guys know John Jalake? How many people know John Jalake? Okay, John Jalake was an incredible man. He ran, he, just so you know about John Jalake context, he was Canadian. Woo! 
So he was Canadian. He was an insurance sales guy. And he finally came to this point where he was like, you know what, God? I'm so sick and tired of people being sick and tired. Have you ever noticed that, like, when you look around, whether it's in your own life or people around you, that people are sick all the time, people have all this stuff? And so John Jalake decided, he's like, I see what's in the Bible, and I see what's out here, and there is a big disconnect. I'll tell you this, when God has moved the most in history is when people have looked at the disconnect and they decided to do something about it. Because most of us, we look at what the Bible says, we look at what the world's ha- what's happening in the world, and we say, God must not want it. And we move on with our life. God's looking for vessels for people to stand in the gap and close the gap. Either you're closing the gap or you're doing nothing about the gap. So John Jalake was like, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to see the healing that they see in the Bible in real life here in my country. So he was involved in Canada. He was involved in the States. And what he did is he started praying for people. And guess what happened? Nothing. To start. Because sometimes... God, you have a calling on your life. You feel God doing stuff. And there's often this divine delay that happens where God steps back for a moment and he says, let's see how bad you want this. And we keep pressing and we keep pressing for a day or two, a week or two, and then we stop. Prime example, how many of you want revival mess and hat? Okay, half of you. Okay, how many of you this morning prayed for revival mess and hat? How many of you prayed for Revival Mess and Hat yesterday? When was the last time you did a 40-day fast for Revival Mess and Hat? Oh, no one. Okay. You guess you don't want it. It's true. Because oftentimes we think what we want is what we throw up there, see what sticks. God, give me a million dollars. God, give me this. God, give me a breakthrough. God, give me a relationship. God, give me this. You don't actually want it because you just throw it up there and then you move on with your life. So John Jalake had this weird thing happen where nothing happened. And some people even died. But he kept going and going and going and going because he was determined to see God move. Are you determined to see God move? Then all of a sudden, something happened. His friend was with him in a room once, and they prayed for each other. All of a sudden, he got blasted. He got shot back 10 feet. Regardless of your baggage and what you think about that stuff, I don't care, okay? Boom, back 10 feet. He's praying in tongues on the ground. As friend looks at him, he's like, I think you just got baptized in the Holy Spirit, John. He got up and everything changed. He started praying for everyone and everyone started getting healed. He started, starting, he started doing healing rooms, guys. And he started doing these healing rooms and they were clearing out hospitals. Guys, you can look this up. This is a historical fact. You can look it up online. So the, they had these healing rooms in Spokane, Washington. People came from hundreds of miles around to come to these healing rooms, and they left healed every time, all the time. They had over 100,000 documented medical miracles. Guys, they went into the hospital in Spokane, Washington, and they completely emptied it. The mayor of Spokane, Washington, not believer, stood up on a stage, gave a press release, and said, Spokane, Washington is the healthiest city in the United States of America because of John Jalake. 
one man. They just to prove a point, they took one of the most um, viral diseases at that time. I forget what it was. But basically, this thing would start plagues, real plagues, real pandemics. Okay? I'm not saying anything. And it would literally wipe out towns and cities. They took this virus and they put it in his hand under a microscope. And the moment it touched his skin, it shriveled up and died. Because of what he carried. True story. This is John DeLake. A man who decided to take God at his word. Uh, Why I'm saying all this is because I have a quote from him. He says this. I want to tell you with the utmost frankness and say to you that tongues has been the making of my ministry. It is that peculiar communication with God when God reveals to my soul the truth that I utter to you day by day in my ministry. Many Christians do not understand the significance of tongues any more than the other man understands the experience of your soul when you're saved from sin. It has to take place in you. It's in your heart. It's in your mind. It's in your being. It is better felt than told. They knew it by internal knowledge, so it is with tongues. We're going to do this in a couple minutes, okay? Another guy, Smith Wigglesworth. How many of you heard of him? I'm pointing to some examples, guys. Most people don't know about these guys, but they've literally impacted millions and millions and millions of people around the world. John Jalek started up thousands of churches in Africa. Smith Wigglesworth, he was uh, practicing, um, oh, what was he? Yeah, um, he wasn't a doctor, but he wanted to see healing happen. And so he started praying for people. He started seeing people get healed. And so he actually was pivotal to starting healing movements because he tried to, the, the government tried to shut him down because he was healing people without a physician license. And so he would be in a room full of like 500 people and he'd say, everyone who needs healing, stand up. So they'd stand up and he'd say, put your hand on what needs healing. And then he would pray and 200 people would get healed. Smith Wigglesworth said this, Pray, he would pray in tongues for at least one hour every morning before anything else. Charles Finney, this will be my last example. Charles Finney, you guys know Charles Finney? Okay, Charles Finney, guys, I love Finney. Because he, would, he understood what would happen with prayer and revival. Most of us, we don't pray because we don't believe in prayer. It's true. We don't pray in our personal life because we don't believe in prayer. You think you believe it, but what you do is actually a sign of what you believe. So Finney understood that if he was going to lead people to Jesus all over the nation, he would send people, prayer warriors, ahead of him into the cities to pray. And so what they did, there was two guys that spearheaded this for them. They would go out into the, the various cities and stuff, and they would rent basement rooms for 25 cents a week. And they would pray on their knees day and night. And they actually had a hit list of the city's most wanted people, mafia leaders, gang leaders, you know, drug dealers, all these people. And they would target those people on their prayer list for weeks 
And then Finney would come in. And they would see the most glorious revivals take place. Guys, New York City. They did a revival in New York City. True story. And what happened is a glory of God came over New York City in such a way that people were coming into the harbor on boats and no one was talking to them, but they would come under the power of God and they would begin weeping and they would give their lives to Jesus without no one leading them to Jesus. Because they would see what happened. They would feel what happened. Guys, 500,000 people got saved in eight weeks. New York City, true story. Guys, the church is not the problem. We're the problem. Charles said this, be full of prayer whenever you attempt to preach and go from your place of prayer to your pulpit with the inward groanings of the Spirit pressing for utterance at your lips. Praying in tongues. So guys, can I have the worship team come up? Can I have the prayer team come up? I have, I skipped over some other scriptures because for sake of time, guys, hopefully with those dozen or 15 scriptures I gave you, you're convinced. But if you're not convinced yet, I want to encourage you, give God a shot. Because if you don't, if you don't, you'll never know. And if he doesn't do what he says he's going to do, then you can carry on the way that you're living. That's fine. But what if what I said and what some of these revivalists said really is that dramatic? And what if you're missing out on some of the, one of the most life-changing experiences in your entire life? What if? And some of you in the room, I already know that you pray in tongues, and that's great, but there's more. God wants to give you more. He wants to give you a fresh baptism. He wants to fill you. He wants to flood you with joy, peace, and all of his goodness. But it's up to you to decide. So, when we, we'll invite you to come up in a second here, just to line up across the front, if you want this. And when you're up here, if you've never spoken in tongues before, that's okay. Don't force it. God doesn't force anything upon you. And so you just, what I encourage people to do is hold out your hands and just Say to God, I receive. Don't have to force it. You don't have to do anything with it. And then as we pray for you, God's going to start touching you. And if there's baggage, there's fear, there's improper teaching, I just want you to check that away for a moment. And then just give God a chance to do something. Because at the end of the day, guys, it doesn't change my life if you pray in tongues or not. Why I'm so passionate about this is because it's so changed my life, and I'm tired of seeing a church that's dying, broken, wounded, and hurt, and barely surviving. God wants you to thrive, not just survive. And last thing I'll say, then we'll invite you up, is people have this idea that when it comes to speaking in tongues, that God's going to come down from heaven off the throne possess you, open up your mouth, and make you say things that you didn't know you are saying. That's typically not how it works. You know, right now, how am I speaking to you guys? I'm opening my mouth. God's not moving my mouth for me. I'm moving it. And so when we pray for you, 
I want you to take a step and just start speaking in tongues. Just start saying what you're hearing. Even if it's one syllable or two syllables, it doesn't matter. Just open your mouth and just start somewhere. When babies first learn how to talk, it sounds like babble. And same thing with most believers. When they first start learning about praying in tongues, it sounds like babble. 